Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 9, verses 46 to 48. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, Whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me, the one who uh, welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. This is the word of the Lord. Allow me to pray for our preacher today. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Father, we give you thanks for this time to dive deep into your scripture, your word. I give you thanks for the ways in which uh, you you have used uh, Susanna to uh, help children and adults fall in love with your stories uh, at home and here at the church. Please uh, speak to her heart as, uh, as you have throughout these weeks that she's uh, been preparing uh, as she shares her reflections uh, with us. Uh, please give us open hearts and open minds to hear your word fresh. Um, help us uh, bring our, our uh, all our needs, all, uh, all the things that we carry to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. Good morning. It's really, it's wonderful to be together. Um, yeah, thanks. It's good to see you all. So today, um, we're going to be talking a little bit about what children show us about the heart of God. And um, it's wonderful because, as you know, I'm the children's pastor here. So I love, um, love talking about this with you. So I'm actually going to start with a story um, from back in 2012, when we were living in La Paz, Bolivia, um, one of the projects that our mission supported were microenterprises. And so what we would do is we would support these microenterprises through loans and through workshops, and sometimes I would go with the development worker to see these projects firsthand. So I'd go, usually they were in their homes, and we'd sit down, um, we'd drink a Coca-Cola or soda together, and then I'd get to see the work. So here's a picture of me visiting a family. This is 2012, and um, you can see this family got three embroidery machines. And basically what they were able to do was personalize clothing. Um, and then they could sell them for more because they had these, these tags. But you can see I have a bit of a kind of smirk in this picture. And that's because I looked down at the bench and I saw this familiar North American brand. <laughs> right? And yeah, I'm, um, then there he is. He's very proud. You can see there's another picture of, he's, that's him. He's like, look at this nice fleece. Um, and I just... Yep, shook my head. I'm like, okay, that looks good. Um, And as someone, I was pretty naive to the pirate market, so I'd been wondering why everyone in La Paz had a North Face fleece, and now I knew why. Because, you know, it's one of the poorest countries in Latin America, and I was like, that's, there's my answer. So this company wasn't in Bolivia. Um, Yeah, there was no way people could be getting this, so I, yeah, I figured it out. Um, But back in the car, I was talking to Williams, the development worker, 
And he said to me, actually, you know, these fleeces, they're the same as the North American fleeces. And it's great because they can sell them here and people will pay more for them. They'll pay more because of the brand. And I, I just looked at him and I was like, well, the, the clothing is a bit more than the logo. Actually, these fleeces, they have a bit of a higher quality. They can sometimes go to lower temperatures or resist rain and wind. And he just kind of looked at me and he was like, really? Because he never had um, a fleece like that. He'd always had to layer up many, many fleeces for the cold there. And he just, he didn't know there was a difference. You know, and many times um, companies and brands, they guarantee us things. And sometimes they hold true and sometimes they don't. And um, so th thinking of our story, going back to the beginning of chapter 9, Jesus sends out his 12 disciples in groups of two. He gives them power to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to proclaim his kingdom. Probably they were a little uncertain at first, and they set out to the neighboring villages performing miracles, and they do great things in Jesus' name. It's as if their actions had Jesus' logo on them. This moment in Jesus' ministry must have been fantastic for them. Not only did they get to witness and experience God's power in their lives, but they were actually participating in God's power being brought to other people. When the disciples came back together, after being in the villages, they must have had amazing stories to share about all that had been happening. They saw lives restored, people healed, demons vanquished. Jesus' name had power. And Jesus did not keep this power to himself, just the opposite. He sends others to perform his life-changing work in his name, too. Nevertheless, in this moment, when everything seems to be going so well, an argument happens between the disciples. They are disagreeing about who is the most powerful, about who has the most authority, or if we're thinking of designer brands, who wore it best. As they continue debating, Jesus quietly goes and he places a child beside himself. If you want to be great, you must become the least. Whoever receives a child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Yes, that is right. Jesus just said to receive a child in his name is to receive him and the Father. In Jesus' time, a king would put his second in his command at his right, and he would place the third in command at his left. Jesus now gives this position of honor to a child. All we understand about greatness is being redefined. What can a child teach us about the heart of God? You see, even though the disciples had done great acts of power, they still did not understand the true significance of the name. They were flaunting the brand and loving the prestige, but look, overlooking the caliber of the clothing. To go back to our illustration, it is possible to have the logo without the quality, and now we see it's possible to have the quality without the logo. Children in the book of Luke and in our lives are essential to understanding God's nature. Today I will focus on three things that children reveal to us about the heart of God. First, God is about radical reversal of power. Second, he is a God of hospitality and protection to the vulnerable. And third, 
God invites us into a loving relationship. First, the elevation of children in Luke's gospel is part of the radical reversal of power that has been taking place in our world. Jesus upsold children because God brings down the mighty and exalts the humble. This shift in power is seen throughout Jesus' life, beginning when he was born into a humble family. Christ's ministry also challenges the social order by valuing women and children. Luke's gospel does this by including their stories, listening to their voices, entering their struggles. In a time when Roman officials, religious leaders, and wealthy merchants hold most of the power, Luke tells us again and again that parents bring their children to Jesus to be healed. In fact, just verses before this argument happens, a parent has brought his child to be healed and the disciples could not heal him because of their lack of faith. Jesus' restoration of children is extraordinary in his context where many assumed a sick child was of no consequence. But there is more. Jesus puts a child by his side because he knows our human inclination to want him for his power. If we are to stand at his side in his kingdom, we must begin to understand that Jesus is a humble king defying world powers. Powers we are all tempted to worship and seek after. To seek first his kingdom and not our own glory is the task we begin to face when we sit at his feet. It is not about making oneself great, rather becoming a servant. To let go of one's own glory is not easy, and it's not easy for me. I, um, I have a story about that. When I finished my senior year of high school, I had, was playing water polo quite a lot. I was on the, junior, the US Junior National Water Polo Team, and I'd been scouted by colleges, and I entered university with a scholarship and at the end of high school, I remember standing in my church and praying, God, you can have my life, but please, just don't take away water polo. <laughs> my freshman year, it was a great year. We had a group of really talented players. We didn't help with the freshman cleanup like we were supposed to, but we contributed in other ways. Um, we won a national championship that year, and um, everything was going well and I was doing what I could to honor God with my playing and my life. And then starting my junior year, I returned to the field. My coach had put me in the goal for a year, and that had gone well. But when I went back, something was off. I couldn't seem to get back in the game. I was a bit clumsy. I just wasn't able to, to react. And what began as a rough start to the year stretched into months of humiliation and confusion. I still played, I had to, I was on scholarship, it was paying for my college, um, but, and I still traveled with the team, hoping things would change, but dreading to get back in the water to face the failure. The truth was, from the start of university, my identity had been shifting away from water polo and towards God's call in my life. I wanted to give him the glory for my skill, but when my skill was taken away, it was humiliating and painful. During this time, God walked with me on a new path, and in prayer, I found my strength in him. I continued to care for my teammates, to pray for them, pray for my coach, bake them cookies, and then my senior year, I decided to do the cleanup that I had not done my freshman year. Just do it with a freshman. Without my skill, I felt like I had nothing to offer. 
But God showed me that his kingdom is proclaimed through humility and kindness. I had thought God would be most honored through my success. But it was me who had needed that success. A success that could not give me life. Life is found only in God. So often our egos get tangled up in our good works, yet Jesus knows what is in our heart. So he sets a child amid the disciples, showing us his power is about kindness, humility, and laying down ego. Secondly, when Jesus puts a child by his side and says, whoever receives this child receives me, he is demonstrating that our God is one of hospitality, taking particular care of the vulnerable. God welcomes us, and we in turn welcome others. And we, when we welcome, expecting nothing in return, we find we are in fact receiving him. It is a wonderful thing to be welcomed, to share food and laughter and good conversation, and I love how effortlessly some people do this. It's just a joy to see how they receive others. At FBC, we are fortunate because we have a very loving team, leadership team, that helps welcome children in the children's Sunday school. And everyone does it differently. Some people do it through preparing the room and crafts, others through sharing song or story. And we all come together and the message is the same. God loves you and this is your community. Jesus cares for the vulnerable, which is why we take the time to dedicate children and babies just as Jesus did. He entrusts, we entrust them to the Father's care because we are empowered to do so by Jesus. We welcome kids in other ways too. We do it through summer camps, and which is why this upcoming summer we're hoping to do a family camp in Onion Lake to also extend God's love there. We are welcoming children by making a daycare in our new facility, and we are continuing to do this in many different ways to tangibly show God's love and care. Jesus puts a child by himself, reminding us that to care for the vulnerable and to welcome them is a blessing and an act of obedience. Now let's explore the third mystery about children, a mystery not about what we do, but about who we choose to be. Children model for us the nature of our relationship with God. The relationship at the core of the Trinity is not two siblings strong and powerful in friendship, nor a marriage complementing with mutual support. At the heart is father, son, and spirit, parent and child. Children help us receive God because God is a father, and Jesus loves God as a son. At the beginning of Luke's gospel, when Jesus is only 12, he stays behind in Jerusalem. And he stays behind because he wants to be in his father's house. He wants to be doing his father's work. He wants to sit among the teachers, hear them talking about God, ask questions, reading his book, just like any child wanting to learn from their dad. Jesus wants to learn to be like him and to do his will. He does this because he knows what God is like. He knows that God is good. Jesus came to show us how to draw near to God. He does this as a child, spending time with God through scripture and prayer and being with his people, and we can do the same. Jesus came to show us the way to be with the Father. Here is the mystery about God. The way to him is wide open when we come as a child. A child still learning, a child helpless, 
a child empty-handed. Jesus says in Matthew 11:25, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Our wisdom and strength can be barriers for knowing God. But when we become like children, we come with nothing to prove, willing to learn, and just wanting more. Jesus wants us to know the Father's love that shaped us before we were born, a love we don't have to earn, a love that always looks out for us and always will. Our Father's care can be obscure at times. It cannot be measured by success or health or titles or net worth. God does not proclaim his kingdom with stripes and letters and swooshes. He came and was made flesh. His love looks like each of us. It, came, it comes in different colors and shapes and sizes. His love topples kingdoms and is shared with a cup of cold water. It is experienced in acts of protection and care. It is an invitation to stay and an open-handed hospitality. His name is known to us when we, like a child, hold on tight to him. His name is great. The foundations of the earth were built upon it, and it shall not pass away. When we stand before the king, we will have no brands, certificates, or titles. We will stand before Jesus as children of God. So let us live as children of God. Because he is the God of radical reversals, let us confess our desire for power. Because he is the God who became a baby, let us humble ourselves and learn to live as he did. Because he welcomes us, let us welcome others. Because he is our Father, let us draw near to his heart and receive his care. Let me pray for us. Thank you, God, for your love for us as a father. Thank you that we, um, we all came into this world as babies, and we've all been children, and we know, we know what that's like, Lord. And I pray that we would come to you today as children, trusting in your care, trusting in your wisdom, your love for us, your plans for us, God. Thank you that um, you care for us in ways that are seen and unseen. We pray that you would grow our trust in you today, that we would come to know you more and enjoy you more. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.